So, how is everybody doing this morning? Good, good, good. I'm not Dylan Adams. I'm not Nathan Frankhauser, and he's not Dylan Adams, and he's not Nathan Frankhauser. I wanted to give you just a quick update, and uh, uh, Nathan and Sarah, as many of you might know, maybe you don't know, that they were, uh, they're making a move. They're staying here. Don't, don't worry. They're staying here. They're just making a move, so Nathan has taken a couple of days off. And in the midst of that move, I, it has is, it is also affected a couple of other members of our uh, church because they are actually buying, Nathan and Sarah are buying these folks' house. And I, David and Carol Glenzer have been here coming to our church here for probably, what, a year and a half, maybe close to two years now. And this will probably be, they're, they're moving to Florida, and this will probably be their last Sunday here. So I wanted them to come up and just pray for them. And I, it's an amazing story. Uh, uh, I, I know that David has just, he's made, what, three trips back and forth driving to Florida? Two so far. Two so far. He just got back again this morning from Florida driving a truckload of stuff. So, uh, but I wanted, to, I wanted the church to pray for them. And I want you guys to continue to pray for them because... Uh, they, they need your prayers. This, this also, this is an awesome thing for them. It's an awesome thing for Nathan and Sarah, for Mike and Paula. We'll explain all that at some point really soon. So, but, so let's pray. Just pray with me for David and Carol. Father, we are grateful for these two people. Father, we're thankful that uh, it's just amazing how you send people our way. And God, they are a blessing to us and they become a blessing to us. And Father, they become a part of us. And then, God, we know that things change and circumstances change. So I ask, God, that first of all, that as they go, as they move, that you would keep them safe, that you would bless them, that you would bless this move. It is a big move, Lord, and we understand that. So we pray for them. We pray for their family and their home as they get settled into a new home. And, and we just ask, God, that you would keep your hand upon them. Father, we are thankful for what they have been to this church for what they've meant to you and to this church. Father, we just ask that, that you would guide them as they go, that, Lord, they would find a church in that area that they, would, that they would be happy with. And, Father, we ask you to help them, God, as they do, that we know it's been a grueling move for them. So we, we pray that, that you would give them strength as they go. Thank you, Lord, for David and Carol. Thank you, God, for what they mean, not only to this church, but to you. In Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, I want to bring up a young man who has uh, uh, become quite an uh, awesome speaker around here. So, Dylan Adams, come on up, buddy. Thank you, thank you. Good morning, church. Give me a few moments so I get myself situated. While I'm getting myself situated, though, I wanted to loop you guys in on something. Uh, many of you know Brittany Black back in the back that, uh, that runs our, our tech side of things. It is her birthday today. So a big happy birthday and a big thank you to Brittany. Uh, she is a huge blessing to this body, uh, more than, more than she, she probably knows. So, 
she probably thought I was just going to say happy birthday, but what I would like you guys all to do, if you could stand up, turn toward Brittany, we're going to sing happy birthday to her because she is so special to us. I would also like to say that if, my, if, my, if I have tech issues during this sermon, this is why. So, all right, Adam, start us off. You're the singer. Birthday. All right, now let's see if the mic actually works for this whole thing. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, good morning. I am blessed to be here. Uh, for you that don't know me, my name is Dylan Adams. I am a deacon in training and the youth leader here at Pierce Point Community Church. Welcome to everybody here in, per- in person and everybody watching online. Um, it is always interesting when you, you get the call to, to, to preach up here and you start working through things and trying to, to read something, especially out of Genesis, and pull it to mean something to the body. So my hope is today that you can bring something from this that will help you strengthen your walk and, and really help your, help your future with the Lord. That being said, I think, I, I think I'm only scheduled to be here for like two hours, so like buckle up. No, I'm totally kidding. All right, guys, um, we'll be going over Genesis 27 today. Um, the title for this sermon is Manufactured Will. By the end of this, you'll understand why. Uh, a few things to understand going into this. Um, this is the chapter that uh, we see Jacob steal Esau's blessing. This is not to be confused with Jacob buying Esau's birthright with a, a bowl of red stew, which keep in mind the fact that he was even able to buy Esau's birthright with a bowl of stew shows that Esau did not respect and understand the importance of that birthright. Um, but it is funny because I'm like, how hungry do you have to be to be like, yeah, no, I'll give you something that's very important for just one bowl of stew. It could have been at least a pot of stew, like a, f- a few pots of stew. I, I don't know. Just, just a little weird. At this point, Isaac is believed to be 137 years old. Uh, fun fact, that is the age that Ishmael was when he died, Ishmael being Isaac's brother. Um, in this chapter, you'll see Isaac say that he, his time of death may be coming, and he feels that way because he is now the age that his brother was when he died. Um, he, Isaac is, is said to be weak and blind uh, in the beginning of this chapter. And what we're going to do, and it is long, but bear with me, we're going to read through Genesis 27, we're going to pull a few parts, and we're going to get this ball rolling, okay? All right. Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see, that he called his older son Esau and said to him, my son, and he said to him, here I am. Isaac said, behold now, I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear and your quiver and your bow. And go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare a savory dish for me such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat. So that my soul may bless you before I die. Rebekah, his wife, was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring, to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, 
Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I, am, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, then I will be as a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were, which, were, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the, skin, the skins of the young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. She also, she also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. Then he came to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please, sit and eat of my game, that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother, his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him and he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. So he said, bring it to me and I will eat of my son's game that I may bless you. And he brought it to him and he ate. He also brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him, and when he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven, and of the fatness of the earth, and abundance of, uh, of grain, and new wine. May people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now it came about, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Then he also made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. Isaac, his father, said to him, who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate, so I ate of all of it before you came and, and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me even also, O my father. And he said, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Oh, no. So, sorry. 
your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then he said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he, he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And, and behold, now he has taken, taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac, Isaac replied to Esau, behold, I have made him your master and all his relatives I have given to him as servants. And with grain and new wine, I have, I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. So that Esau lifted his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling and away from the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you will break his yoke from your neck. So that Esau, so Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And now when the words, I will kill my brother Jacob. Now when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee to Haran, to my, to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against, against you subsides, and he forgets what you did to him. Then I will send and get you from there. Why, why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heath. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heath, like these from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? I know that was a lot, but there we go. So, um, in short, what a mess. I mean, like, like really, like this is, this is wild. These are the people that God has chosen for his blessing, right? These are, like, it's so, it's so funny that we, we see time and time again the kind of people that God is using to, to bring forth what he has for his people, right? People like us, broken people, stubborn people. But he uses us, in, uses us anyway. So let's recap. Rebecca has encouraged and assisted Jacob in tricking Isaac into giving Jacob Esau's blessing. Fun fact, when you're, when you're asked to preach, you have to come up with a title for your sermon, right? Um, I like, to play the, I like to play this game because sometimes it's hard for me to, to, to decide what the title is going to be. Brittany knows that sometimes I don't get it to her until Saturday, which is awful. Um, so I, I like to play this game where I will send my family um, what it is that I'm reading to prepare for, for the sermon, right? And I will say, what do you guys think would be a good title for this sermon? And sometimes I get really funny things. Sometimes it's, that's actually helpful. They've helped me name sermons in the past. Um, one of my family members said that I should name it How to Trick Your Father 101, um, which I, you know, so close. I, I almost did, but I was like, eh. I prayed about it, and it just didn't seem like the right, the right angle for this sermon. So maybe next time. So <laughs> let's recap. Rebecca encouraged and assisted Jacob in tricking Isaac into giving Jacob, Jacob Esau's blessing. Esau is now upset, rightfully so, and plans to kill Jacob. Jacob is sent away to find a wife outside of the daughters of Canaan. Also a fun fact, and this, at this point, Esau is married. He's actually married to 
the daughters of Canaan. He's married to, to women in that land, which are Gentiles, um, which is kind of Rebecca's, or what, what Rebecca is getting at at the end. Of she, you know, she's like, I don't even want to go on living if my, if my, other, my favorite son, because Jacob is her favorite, marries outside of God's people. So they send him away, one, to, sa- to save his life, but also to marry appropriately. This all stems from a prophecy that is spoken to Rebecca when she is pregnant. Nathan touched on it a few weeks ago. Um, it's out of Genesis 25. Uh, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two people will be separated from your, your body, and one people shall be shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So most of the commentaries you look at when you're looking at Genesis 27, they're talking about this scripture, and this there's a chance that this was Rebecca's motive. Now, once again, we see people trying to take God's will into their own hands. Where else have we, where, where else have we seen this in the book of Genesis? A, uh, Abram and Sarai, the Lord comes to Abram and Sarai and, and says, hey, you're going to have a son. You're going to have descendants more than the stars in the sky. And Sarah says, bet, but not through me. So, so, so she, she tells Abraham to be with her, her handmaid, Hagar, has, has Ishmael through Hagar. The Lord comes back on the scene and goes, that was not the plan. But that's what they did. Again, it's a, God's people has a, have a tendency to try to rush God's promise, to manufacture God's will in their lives. In the same way that Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah now, try to manufacture God's will by having a son with Hagar and all of that, you see Rebecca doing the same thing here, where maybe it is God's will for the for the older to serve the younger. But we have to ask ourselves, in this chapter, was the stuff that happened here, was that God's will? Well, does, does God's will include sin? No. We sin, and God can make it, make something out of it, but God is not out here sinning to make his will happen. That is not, God is not capable of sin. Um, the reason that we know this, one, we... I, I was going to count them, but I was like, I, I didn't have the time for it. But the amount of scripture that talks about God's righteousness is insane. So we know that God is righteous. He's incapable of sin. Um, but there's another, I, I, the Bible project goes over this uh, a little bit, if you want a, a little more of a, an explanation here. But um, in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7, we get kind of a, a description of God, right? And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. This does not sound like a God that is out here sinning to make what he wants happen. It's not capable of it. God's will is not for us to sin. And maybe we look at Genesis 27 and we say, okay, from the prophecies that was spoken, the older should serve the younger. But does, God, does God's will always happen? No. We know that because we live in a broken world. God's will is not for babies to be murdered. God's will is not for people to, to, be, to be raped and beaten and bruised. 
God's will is not for families to split apart. God's will is not happening all over the place. Now, does it still happen? Absolutely. But we can't say that it always happens. And God is just this puppet master of, you know, pulling the levers and the right strings to make sure the right things happen. That is not what's happening. Now, God is using his people for his will to happen. But it doesn't always happen. And it certainly doesn't always happen like he planned. The plan wasn't for Adam and Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit and to be cast out of the garden. That wasn't the plan. He knew it was going to happen because we're broken, sinful people. And he finds a way to redeem and to, to, allow, to give us the opportunity to be a part of his family. But that is not the plan. God is not a puppet master, but he is a keeper of promises. Which I think, as we can tell, we forget. Abraham and Sarah, when they were promised a, a son, they forgot that God is a keeper of promises. They're like, you know what? God needs my help to keep his promises. That is not true. He will use other people. We see that all the time. He will see other people to walk at his will, use other people to walk at his will to keep his promises. But he does not need you to help him walk at his promise. He'll use you, but that's more of a, a blessing for us, for his glory. He doesn't... He, he, didn't, he, did, he didn't plan for me to be born and said, okay, I need this specific human being to, to do this specific thing or everything will fall apart. It's just not the case. God can come down here and do whatever he wants. He can do it himself. He chooses to use you and I, though. So why do we take matters into our own hands? Well, do we believe that his ways are higher than our ways? That his thoughts are higher than our thoughts? Do we believe that God brings the increase when some plant and some water do we believe that his word could actually be a lamp to our feet and light to our path? Some would say no. We get in our own ways. We, we forget who it is that we serve, the heavenly father that we, that we serve. And because of that, we think that we can help him out along the way. You know, give him a kind of a, a kick in the butt. Say, Lord, you know, I know that you told me this thing, but I want it to happen today instead of 12 years from now. So... Let's, let's get going, you know, let's, let's, try to, let's try to manufacture that. Here's the problem, though. Even the things done with good intentions that, that lack the guidance and wisdom of the Lord could cause negative consequences outside of God's will. Let me give you an example. Um, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not going to name any names. Um, but this is a good example of trying to manufacture something that maybe the Lord has other plans for. So... Man, I would say four, five years ago at this point, I was a fairly new believer, very passionate, very zealous, um, lacking much wisdom. <laughs> um, and I, I was really close to a, a particular family, and I had read in Scripture that um, the Lord wishes for none to perish, right? Um, and I was like, got it, I'm good. And, my, and I was so passionate and so head over he heels just in love with the Lord. And I wanted other people to join me on that journey, right? Which that desire is not a bad desire. It's how I acted upon that desire that, that got me in trouble. So there was this individual. Um, they were a teenager at the time. Um, they were in school. I think I'd graduated a year or two um, you know, before that. They were still in school and 
I wanted this individual, I was very close to them, I wanted them to join me in my walk with the Lord. I was so passionate and so just lit up, ready to go, right? Um, lacking much wisdom, by the way. <laughs> um, and I would have regular conversations with this individual, trying to get them to take their walk with Jesus seriously. They'd been going to church for a while, and they went to youth group and all these things, but they weren't taking it seriously. And it, I had a lot of passion, and I wanted this individual to join me in that. So I would have many conversations with this individual, and it would never end well. It was always arguments, and I was very, let's call it pushy. I was not seeking the Lord or, 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 or his wisdom in regards to how to handle the situation. I was just like, you know what? The Lord wishes for none to perish. I'm, I'm, I'm giving him everything I've got. So very aggressively trying to get this individual to take his walk with the, their walk with the Lord seriously um, to the point where it caused a bit, a bit of problems, a lot of just relationship problems, and really ended up pushing this individual further away from the Lord than closer. Um, because I was saying things like, hey, you're living a sinful life. You're not taking things seriously. What, what are you doing? You got all these idols. Like saying all of these things that were, they were right. They weren't with the right heart, though, and they certainly weren't with wisdom. So fast forward, you know, I, probably a few months. I'm still trying to really win this individual over, right? And I remember being in prayer and having this unction from the Lord that, that I needed to back off, that I needed to take a step back and let the Lord do what he does. I was aware of the scripture at the time that said, some, wa- some plants, some waters, God brings the increase. But by golly, I was like, I'm going to bring the increase. Um, so I was planting, I was watering, and I was like, let's go. Like, let's, let's come on. Like, it's like a farmer planting, planting corn and then sitting there and just waiting for it to grow. Like, it was not, not a convenient thing. Um, the Lord had very clearly told me to back off and to, to let the Holy Spirit do its work. Um, and I said, you got it, but I'm going to try one more time. Which, after I did, I realized that the Lord is right. I should have backed off. But let me tell you what I did. So the Lord had unctioned me to back off and to let the Holy Spirit do his, his work inside of this individual. And I decided outside of God's will to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it one more go. One, one more time. I've got it. This individual really enjoyed video games at the time. Very, some may even say addicted to video games at the time. And I woke up early one morning after the Lord had said, don't do it. I said, we're going to do it. And uh, I, woke up, I woke up and I wrote this individual a letter about how video games are an idol and you need to break this and Jesus loves you and you need to, you need to get your head, your head out of your butt and like, let's, let's, you, know, you need to do this, right? Um, and I, I folded up that letter and I put their, their, I think at the time it was a PS4 controller on, the, uh, on their table. I put the Bible on top. I folded the letter in half and I put the letter on top and on the front of the letter I wrote, you choose. And then I left the house. So um, I can't remember exactly everything I said in this letter, but it wasn't, it was not good. And the Lord had very clearly told me to back off, but I decided this was my last, my last, my last go at it. Um, this individual was so upset um, that they, I'd left. I went to go take a walk at a park because I knew that there was going to be some confrontation here. Um, I should have stayed, but, you know, neither here nor there. Um, they, t- they texted me 
and they were texting me so aggressively and so upset that I had to turn my phone off. Because I, at the time, I, I, did not have a, I didn't have a smartphone. It was just a, uh, a little flip phone because I'd, I'd given up smart, uh, smartphones for a while. So this little flip phone, and it was just buzzing and buzzing. I thought it was going to explode. This individual was very upset with me. And it actually, that last move is what really kind of split the relationship that the individual and I had. Um, did not talk to them for a while. And they were, they're, they're family. And it <laughs> didn't, it, it, if I would have listened to the Lord, I may have been able to speak into their life more. Now, praise the Lord, I serve, we serve a God of reconciliation because years later, I was able to reconnect with this individual and be a part of bringing them closer to the Lord. Um, I had all the good intentions, but I lacked true wisdom. I knew that the Lord wished for none to perish, and I was like, you got it, and I just ran after it. But I did not take in consideration what the Lord's will was in that moment. Sometimes the Lord has certain people that, are, that may be able to minister to somebody better than you. Sometimes the Lord knows when somebody's wretched there, their breaking point, and you need to back off when he tells you to back off. Because sometimes, most times, it makes it, wor- makes it worse. I pushed this individual further away from Jesus, and my goal was to bring them into the fold of Jesus. But because I took matters into my own hands and decided I knew what was best, it, it did not end well. And praise the Lord that we, we serve a God of reconciliation because I was able to reconcile with this individual years later. But it, was, it sucked, and that, that was my fault. I had to deal with that. So why do we take matters into our own hands? Is it a, a lack of patience? Sometimes, you know, we, uh, sometimes the Lord makes a promise or we, we see a promise and we're like, yeah, I want that now. And the Lord's like, mm, give it 25 years. That's what he did with Abraham and Sarah. 25 years is what it took for them to get Isaac. 25 years of waiting upon that promise. And of course, they also try to take matters in their own hands. And that's where we get Ishmael. But 25 years to see a, a, a little bit of the promise. 25 years. Some of us give up, give, up, give up after day one and try to manufacture God's will. Is it a lack of faith in God? Do we not trust the God that we claim to serve? Is it a lack of belief that your Heavenly Father truly loves you? What is it that causes us to decide that we can do it better? I promise that you can't, but why? How do we fix it? Well, first off, we need greater faith. We need to truly know who it is we claim to serve and let our faith grow from that. Uh, the Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, so then, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In this chapter, um, it's talking about the gospel and the hearing of the gospel and it's building your faith and the teachings of, of, of Jesus and, and, and all of that. Now, and, and that time, they would have had the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So they could have read that and, and also gained maybe some faith from, from that as well. But we, we're even more lucky. We have more than just the Torah. Yes, we should be preaching the gospel to one another. We should be lifting one another up. But we also have, and 
I might, you know, I might uh, trademark this, I don't know. But we also have God's resume, the Bible. If you really want to know the God that you serve, the promise keeper that you serve, we have his resume. We can look in here and we can see the promises he kept to Abraham and Sarah. We can see him bringing the, the, the Jewish people out of Egypt. We can see them coming to, to, to the Red Sea. We can see the Lord splitting and making a way for them. We can see Jesus coming. We can see him dying on a cross, thinking all hope was lost. The disciples standing there thinking that was supposed to be the one. Then we see him raised three days later and pay for our sins. We have God's resume. If you wonder if he's a promise keeper, he is because it's in here. If you wonder if he loves you, he does because it's in here. For God so loved the world that he gave his son for all of you. If you want to build faith, yes, we should be gathering with the saints, lift one another up in love and good works. Yes, we should be constantly preaching the gospel and having it preached to us to remind us of what he has done. But if for some reason you can't get out, you don't have anybody around you. You have got the resume of the, of the Almighty in your hands, available to you in a ridiculous amount of languages, by the way, to tell you of the God that you serve. If we want to build our faith, all we have to do is remember the promise that he's kept. Remember what Jesus did. Also remember that Abraham did not see the fulfillment of God's promise before he passed. He saw parts of it, but the, the whole promise wasn't fulfilled in Abraham's life. That doesn't mean that it, it's not true. It just means that it takes time. Like I said earlier, they waited 25 years to, to meet Isaac. Half of, uh, half of us give up after, after, the first, after the first day and decide we're going to try to make it work in ourselves, right? We're going to manufacture his will for ourselves. Instead, we need to trust in the Lord with all, our, with, with all of our heart and lean not on our own, our own understanding. You see that with Rebecca. Rebecca knew what the Lord had said to her. The older will serve the younger. And she was like, got it. I've got it from here. Don't need your help. And she decides to be deceitful and, 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 and talk Isaac into deceiving his father and there's, there's lies and all these things. God's will is not for us to be deceitful to be liars, to be untruthful. That is not God's will. There, we have no idea what could have happened if Rebecca hadn't done this. The Lord speaks to his people. He could have come down and said, hold on, Isaac, you're giving the blessing to the wrong son. We don't know because Rebecca didn't let, let that happen. She took matters into her own hands and made sure that what she thought the Lord wanted happened. Good intentions, but her means does not, are not justified by the end. Now, what happens, obviously trusting the Lord with all your heart and leaning out on your understanding is easier said than done. What happens 
when we do get in the way and we try to take things in our own hands? Well, first off, we deal with the consequences. Uh, in the same way that we spoke about Abraham and Sarah earlier, um, I preached a few weeks ago, a few, several, I don't, I don't know, I lose track of time. My wife gets mad because I'll say, uh, I'll, I'll say, I'll call something a few that was like seven months ago or something. Um, or I'll say like the other day when I mean like six months ago. She's, she gets very frustrated. Um, so what happens when we get in the way? What happens when we decide that we're going to try to manufacture what we think God wants in the situation? Well, we deal with the consequences. Abraham and Sarah had to, specifically Abraham, had to deal with the fact that Ishmael, the, the effect of them taking matters into their own hands, Ishmael was not going to be a part of God's promise the same way that Isaac would be, right? He had to deal with that. You see a conversation between God and, God and Abraham where he's like, but, but Ishmael, and God's like, but Isaac. Ishmael still got to take part in it, but he was not the, the vehicle for it, right? Abraham had to deal with that, that consequence. And the same way, Jacob and, and Rebekah has to, deal, has to deal with the consequence that now Esau wants to kill Jacob. It's a pretty big consequence. Now Jacob has to be sent away in the hopes that Esau doesn't kill him. It's a pretty big consequence. That, that just doesn't go away. God, God doesn't just make that magically go away. We deal with the consequences of our actions, right? What happens next? Well, we repent and we pray for the Lord's guidance in the future. Yes, we mess, we, we're going we're gonna to mess up. Abraham and Sarah messed up. Jacob and Jacob and Rebecca, they messed up. But we can repent and we can ask for the Lord's guidance in the future. As some of you may know already, Jacob goes on to be a huge part of God's plan. We get the 12 tribes of Israel from Jacob. God's plan is never for us to be sinful or disobedient. But when we are, and this is the God that we serve, the Lord is able to work all things for good. Now, that doesn't mean that we go out here and we do bad things because God's going to make it work. That's, no. Instead, we should marvel in the fact that when you and I mess up, when we run kicking and screaming from the Lord, when, when we repent and we turn back and we ask for his guidance, he's able to use those things for his glory. Sometimes it is never the way that you think. There are things that I did before Jesus that... I've watched the Lord use those circumstances to teach me and to guide me and to allow me to understand how, how to handle certain people in certain situations now in my, in my reborn life, right? That doesn't mean that those things were supposed to happen. I wasn't supposed to hurt people. I wasn't supposed to run away from the Lord, but he's able to use those things for his glory. That's just the God that we serve. Does this mean that we've ruined everything, though, and God will can never be, be accomplished again? No. And it's a little dramatic that you would ask. <laughs> as, you, as, as I said before, the Lord is able to redeem us, redeem our actions. He's able to take something that is awful, a life that never should, never should have happened, a life of sin that was never planned, and use it to prepare us 
to bring forth more of his kingdom. The fact that the Lord uses a family that is so dysfunctional that a man's wife would talk her younger son into tricking his father into giving him a blessing that was meant for the older brother kind of gives me hope. <laughs> and it reminds me of this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put, put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. That the, that the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him, you are, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. God allows people like us to be a part of his plan. People that are stubborn. People that are broken. People that think they know best. People that are guilty of running away from our Father. People that try to manufacture God's will in their lives. He uses us to bring forth his kingdom, to share his love and his grace. That will never make sense to me. Um, oh, my, my bad. I, sitting here, it is crazy to even be here to, and being, having the honor to share a message with all of you. Think about this for yourselves. Each of you know yourselves better than anybody else in this room, right? You know the deepest, darkest, darkest corners of your, of your soul. You know yourself. But yet God still says, I'm going to use them. I'm going to let them be a part of my plan. That makes no sense. Not in, a, not in an earthly way. I know bits and pieces of, about people, and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want them to be a part of my plan. Like, small specks of knowledge, and I'm over here making decisions based off little bits of things. The Lord knows you better than you know yourself and still says, these are my people. These are my children, and I will call them to myself, and I will make a way for them to be a part of me. That makes no sense. Something Barney said last week that I, I think I, I listened to his sermon two or three times last week, preparing for mine, and one of the things that he, he, he was talking about, unlikely heirs, right? And really, they, that is what all of us are. We're unlikely heirs of this kingdom. Um, we've got a dysfunctional family in Genesis 27 that are clearly people that God, God has chosen to bring forth his, his, his kingdom. We have people sitting in here that struggle with so many different things, me being one of them. And he still says, I want you. Not only does he say he wants you, but as Romans 5, 8 would put it, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were yet running away, kicking, screaming, spitting in the face of God, he said, those are my children and I will make a way for them to return to me. Not because you deserve it, not because you have earned it, because you will never earn it, but because he so loved you that he made a way. And that way is Jesus.
he sent Jesus to live a perfect life and then to give up his life so he could pay our price. It is not easy to, to trust in, in people fully. We live in a world that is broken and people are untrustworthy and that's just the facts. But we serve a God that is a promise keeper. We serve a, a heavenly father that can be trusted. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He's here to guide us. He's here to love us. And he's made a way for us to be a part of his family. All it takes is for us to repent and turn and to trust in him. So the next time you're becoming impatient or you're losing trust in God and something that you feel was promised to you, remember that sometimes it doesn't work out the way that you want it to. Things don't happen as fast as we want them to. I'm sure Abraham and Sarah were dealing with the same thing when they waited 25 years for God's promise. But he is a promise keeper. And he's a father that loves you deeper than you could ever imagine. No greater love than this, it's not that, that a brother would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus has laid his life down for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even though we are stubborn and an absolute pain in the butt, that you still love us, that you've still sent Jesus for us. We thank you that even when we try to manufacture your will in our lives, that your grace and mercy still abides with us. We praise you that you've not given up on us, that you've not left us nor forsaken us. And we ask that you give us a newfound hunger for you, to know more of you and to let our faith grow greater than it has ever, than it has ever been. Lord, I ask that you bless this body and allow us to walk in your will, not what we think your will is, but what your true will is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.